Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Creep Dive Live. Thank you for coming. Yay! We will up that volume on the published podcast episode. No, look, it's full. Episode. It's completely no, it's full. full. It's full. There isn't a chair available. Not one. Um, I'm Sophie. Hello. That's Jen. D-W-Y-E-R. Oh, oh, I'm Cassie. We didn't introduce ourselves last week, no, I we noticed. No, we didn't. We didn't. Who cares? We that was last well. week. We just let people hit the ground last running week was and really said, just, oh, there's yeah. the nasal dulcet tones of Cassie. Yeah. Uh, last week was just a rehearsal for this week. That's to right. be fair, we reserved these tickets for our favourites. But this week... No, this is the complete afterthought night. Hang on. No, 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 no. <laughs> this makes them feel special. Because last week was disgusting. And this week is creepy. Yeah. yeah. It's just like creepy yeah. bangers. Whereas last week I felt physically ill all the way through research. And then, but then I had a really cathartic moment during the actual live recording because I got to pass it on. That's to my key. dad. And I walked in. <laughs> yeah, so he was here. My parents were here last week. So I just had that feeling of sick through the entire thing. Yeah. I'd like to, like to point out you invited them. No, it's I not like they just them. arrived. Yeah, that was the weirdest thing to do ever. They enjoyed it. They had a they great time. Did. Your dad looked uncomfortable. Yeah, we haven't spoken he since. He barely moved. He was just kind of paralyzed with ick. Throughout. Anyway. Could stuck together with cum, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Do we my have a creep of the week? Still Cassie's still the creep of the week for bringing her dad. Yeah, okay, I'll take that. And then insisting on talking about swallowing jizz in front of I her didn't, dad. I didn't talk about that. And just for context, I didn't know what your stories were either. <laughs> like, so I did not. 
I did not know that. Did you not? Would you like us to re? No, them? we don't need to go near that ever again. If anyone has listened to last week's episode, they both told really disgusting stories that involved either dismemberment of penises or just eating cum. Yeah. Welcome to the creep dive. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Sophie, you're going to kick us off. I'm worried about this. <laughs> because it's like an opus of copy-pasted information. Yes. <laughs> but secondly, this story has freaked me out for years. Um, I had I didn't actually know the full extent of this story in the slightest before I got into it. So my like clickbaity headline for this story is that it is either the greatest hoaxing of all time or the greatest haunting of all time. It's the Enfield poltergeist. Does you, anybody familiar with the Enfield no. story? <laughs> How do I? No, you will be. You, you will, will be. As an emergency. But that was an amazingly blank reaction. Um, <laughs> I'm particularly terrified because I, I did realise. Because now I can just say whatever. Like, especially towards the end when I was really rushing. Like, and I'll just wrap it up anyway. I see fit. Uh, what's going on? No, wait. It's fine. We're still fine. Okay. So let me take you back to the 70s in the gorgeous... London Borough of Enfield. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. 284 Green Street was a particularly gorgeous three-bedroom council house. Lovely. Semi-D. Love it. Road frontage. Um, Genuinely, Cassie would Pinterest the fuck out of this place because, look, it was filled with horror, but also potential for a light-filled extension at the back. Um, isn't that all we want? Isn't that all we want? The middle class dream. So in the 70s, it was home to a 47 year old single mom called Penny Hodgson and her four kids. So there was Margaret, who was 13, Janet, 12, John, who is never again mentioned in this story. <laughs> it's so bizarre. All they ever say is that he was being boarded at a special school. And then like, I'm moving on swiftly. We have Billy, who's seven. And unfortunately suffered from a severe speech impediment, which is, again, the only fact. Well, couldn't get a word of it anyway. Already, I'm like, red flags, red flags. It was John. It was John. <laughs> like, what did John do? I'm just picturing John, like, having been sent away. Like, I don't know, like, Michael Myers style what age or was, something. What age was he? John was 11. Okay. Who, and the eldest two were the girls? Knifing siblings age. Uh, the eldest two were Margaret and Janet. Okay. Very close in age, Irish twins, 13 and 12. And, um, and like two peas in a pod, they were. So, uh, but Peggy was considered very conscientious. She basically had this kind of like shite ex-husband who did nothing. And, you know, like he just like ditched her with the four kids in this shitty old house. And he'd come by and like throw the old child support at her. And, you know... Like, he was just a ne'er-do-well, basically. This is very English. This is all going... To, I'm getting down kind of English cliches now. He was a ne'er-do-well. <laughs> I, I wondered it's, about it's that. It's all very kind of kitchen sink stuff. Like I had a visual of him with a sock full of coins. I know. Like just, as his child, and then black eye with the money. See you later. <laughs> oh, that's the lock in the sock. Okay, anyway. Side note. Um, so, Margaret the oldest was kind of serious and reserved. Janet was known to the neighbours as very lively, and she was extrovert. John, again boarded at a special school. <laughs> and again, Billy, all he's given is the severe speech impediment. Apparently no actual Other. personality characteristics. Now, in the kind of little sort of cul-de-sac where they all lived, there was like a set of neighbours next door called the Nottinghams. And they were very 
involved in the family's life. Like they were kind of close with their neighbours and stuff. And then Peggy had a brother who lived a few doors away as well. So it was very Corrie, kind of. I could see them all. Oh, oh, Peggy, how are you? Oh, Mrs. Nottingham. Yeah, going to let you roll with this. I'm going to be doing a lot of voice work during this story. Great. I apologise in advance. (laughs) It will be offensive. So, (laughs) on the 30th of August, night of, in 1977, strange events began to occur at 284 Green Street. It began with a bizarre knocking sound they couldn't find the source of, and then was followed by a chest of drawers in the girls' bedroom upstairs, moving two feet across the floor, like completely unhampered or unaided. Witnessed by? The family. Of course. As if they were all in the room? What year yeah, did you say that? after the knocking, they'd all gone upstairs to the girls' bedroom and they were really freaked out. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And Peggy, the mum, tried to push the chest of drawers back and, and couldn't. couldn't. do it. So they, oh, they were like, oh, crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> What's this then? <laughs> <laughs> Who was in there? Is the boy? Grove. I'm kind of going northern now. Could um, you um, just give us your year again for 1977? So everyone's wearing brown cord. 1977. So poor Jan Broberg's just, just so gone like missing. Satanic panic of the Manson family. Okay, well, so it's just the kind of panic of the 60s, but it's, okay. it's London, so it's like dreary, you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm a talent, okay? Um, any English people? Any Brits here tonight? Stop it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> any Sassanig on Will Hay Sassanig? Sorry, right. my granny was this, like, raving nationalist and I went out with an English boy once and she said to me, Asquelga, on Will Hay Sassanig. Because she heard his last name was Waldock. Um, anyway. <laughs> Clearly. What if he listens? What if he listened? He was, he was Irish. His dad was English. But what if any <laughs> English people listened? Hi, back guys. Segways, back in okay, the room. Go on, go back on, in the room. Go on. Back in the room. So um, they called in the Nottinghams to come and see about the Chester drawers. And Vic Nottingham was a builder. This is referenced a lot. He was a builder. He knows so how he heavy was familiar are. with houses. Right. They got Vic in. Vic, um, they couldn't figure out what had happened with the chest of drawers. Is anybody not familiar with houses? (laughs) Just as a concept. Well, check your privilege, Cassie Delaney. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone laughing at that too. (laughs) Every one of us. Okay, so Vic later stated that he could find no source for the knocks, which seemed to follow him around the house. Which guy now? Which guy is saying this? the builder from next door. So the knocks were... Okay, I'm all over England. Sorry, hang on. He's come in and they've got... got, got, Look at that wardrobe there. It's after moving. And he's like, well, it's not moving now. Yeah, but then the knocks were still going. Right. As he went to leave. The alive with paranormal activity. Okay, sounds it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, that's when the whole group... Um, they decided to call the police. The police arrived. This Weird. is getting very carry on now. Okay. In my mind. Millions of people in Millions the bedroom. Millions of people and they're all like, oh, cool, blimey. And, oh, <laughs> the fireman's here at the window. Kind of carry on. I don't know, spare a pot of tea and, you know, do you buy this Okay, just get on the story. It's an opus. It's yeah. an opus. Hey, I'm trying. I'm just like rattling through it. So anyway, the whole group was standing in the room, right? And there was a chair over the other side of the room that out of nowhere, apropos of nothing, it started to wobble and then it fell over. And they were like, Jesus Christ. 
Witnessed by loads of people. What the fuck? There was like nine by loads of people. Yeah, there was like now there was like next door neighbours. There was Peggy and her brood. Okay. There all was the police, two police officers. All saw the chair. Saw, they, yeah, all saw the chair move. Okay, seriously, we're laboring over the most boring okay. aspect yeah. of no, this sorry, haunting. This is yeah. really it, important <laughs> right now because my attic latch keeps opening and I'm living in a haunted house. You right are. I, I voted in that poll. Yeah, everybody yeah. voted yeah. in that poll for you, being haunted. Okay. Sorry. So the police <laughs> Maybe left, it's Matt right? Saying that this wasn't a police matter. <laughs> and they were like, fuck no. Gone, gone. But they did give a statement to the BBC at some point. <laughs> I watched a little kind of piece to camera and they looked like really kind of dullards. Like, I'm sorry, lads. But they just were like the blandest people in the world. And I just felt like they're not even like, How you know, they're not into this lie. Like they, she, they, the woman was just like, it just fell over. And How did the BBC know? Did someone call them? That was late. It was a bit later okay. anyway. So what happened after the police left was that the family called the Daily Mail. So you know you're fucked when you call the Daily Mail. <laughs> yeah, they were just point. like, I don't know. And also, like, I don't know if the Daily Mail was like a shade classier in the 70s. Uh, maybe. I don't know. People didn't have answering machines, so they weren't quite up to that kind of hijinks yet. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Anyway, we should creep dive then. So reporters, photographers came... At this point, all the kind of like paranormal phenomena was actually just like going nonstop, like doors slamming of their own accord, knocks on the walls, like at kind of all hours of the day. It just sounds like a kind of a mad gaff in there, like, you know, and so, but mm, they struggled to capture anything on film, uh, which is consistent with a lot of poltergeist activity. But it's 1974. Brand new batteries were drained. <laughs> Equipment malfunctioned. But eyewitness accounts were mounting by the day. So they had visits from council officials, clergymen, um, more reporters and photographers who all testified to seeing, well, not in a court, like but in the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> seeing the same, same but different. All testified to seeing this kind of mad shit. On September 4th, a reporter called Douglas Benz and a photographer called Graham Morris visited the house and they witnessed flying objects. That's, these are things just flying around, originating from places where there's no one standing there. Well, obviously it sounds like bullshit, these, except for the fact that millions of people are now in... Loads and loads of people who are unconnected to the family are now... Are they just getting excited by the idea and, and then someone's no, like, I think I, I think I saw Things are it. moving, things, things are opening, are things moving. are moving. I don't know. Objects like, flying. One point. I believe it. One of the reporters was hit by a piece of Lego travelling at speed. <laughs> <laughs> Which... John, I, it's John! It's like, he, he was in the cupboard, right? That's why it was so heavy. And then he's just firing Lego across the room. But I tried today to throw some Lego. <laughs> and it's that's primary research to do there, it yeah. at speed. So how could like a ghost do it any quicker? That? Well, because they're like propelling it with supernatural force. Yeah, yeah. Jen, obviously. obviously. I don't think you become super strong as a ghost. Surely you're just yourself. No, but you're doing it with your mind or yeah, something. you're like, like you in another dimension. Everyone knows. with this dimension. They're the fucking, the rules do not apply. Ghosts can't touch things. It goes... You know, how is it moving it with thing? their minds? Look, go right, and look. try and throw Lego hard. Any one of you try and low. It's just like there's a kind of a maximum speed. Is it too I light? Think. It's too light. Yeah, exactly. It's not very kind of aerodynamic. Anyway, 
The reporter said that it left a bruise that was thrown so hard. And I'll throw some Lego at you later, but I think it'll be hard to bruise you. They decided that this is where they actually made some sensible decisions and decided to call the Society for Psychical Research, or the SPR, which um, is not a government-funded entity. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, you know, peopled by many people. <laughs> I was going to say, like, enthusiasts, um, not that many sceptics, I presume. Um, so they, that's how a man called Maurice Gross became involved. He was, like, a World War II veteran. He'd actually been at Dunkirk. He came back after the war. He became an inventor. He actually invented, you know, the kind of rotating ad things that you see at bus stops? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've called it the rotating ad thingy. Uh, catchy and he had now become an amateur paranormal investigator as you do um, it's funny how they're all sort of amateur and nice. always besuited so you know he looked you know not suspicious. no no um, his kind of foray or sorry his kind of route into his amateur sleuthing was um, very sadly his daughter had died about two years before the Enfield poltergeist began um, tormenting the family uh, and her name was also Janet the same as the second daughter Ooh. around who yeah right. around whom a lot of the phenomenon was kind of centering at this point that's not now, creepy that's spooky just or coincidental not an uncommon name and <laughs> um, so he came on board and he was immediately convinced by the sheer volume of activity like I'm just picturing it's just a maelstrom of lego and tea bags and English paraphernalia flying through the <laughs> Union Jacks. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh. Swirling in a frenzy. Um, he, the things that really convinced him was like doors and drawers not opened of their own accord. Um, objects that kind of like jumped like teaspoons and cardboard boxes, a fish tank lid. Um, <laughs> this is the one that really gets me. It was marbles that flew through the air and then landed on the floor and did not roll. Creepy. I'll give yeah. you that. I okay. genuinely just find that, like, everything else, I'm like, whatever, that, I believe it. That like, would it frighten It just all you. boils down to that. I brought a marble, guys. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to do some science. I'd say that'll leave a bruise. <laughs> but, like... It's just really no, no. like fling it. Fling, fling it. it. You have throw it, throw it somewhere. But even but if not you try and drop it and not let it roll. It's not as exciting. Okay. <laughs> Would that, of course hold on, that's that bounce. Bounce. That bounce. Hang on, hang on. You have another, another marble. marble? Like, it's just weird. Like, basically, they described it like the marbles would drop and were, like, fastened to the floor instantly. Unlike the marbles we've just seen. It's as you've seen, science. <laughs> so, um... Okay, so this was still relatively early on. This is still only in about like the first three weeks of the whole haunting and like... Three weeks is a long time when your house when, is haunted. Yeah, when you're being like... Just... It has been 24 hours for me and I'm ready to move and burn the place. <laughs> oh, look who it is. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> don't just, don't Should we start again? Shame people in the dark. <laughs> Hello. Okay, a quick recap. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, they had, the, all the phenomenon had been witnessed by as many t as 10 people not related to the family. Again, that sounds like science to me. I can understand if the, it's, it feels legit because if a lot of people are there and a lot of shit is happening, mm. then so, you can set, you know, 
It must be somewhat true. If multiple people went into a house and said, I saw things move, who are unconnected to the family, of course you believe it. Come on. Okay. So then the next person to join the kind of like, I don't know, like party was a guy called Guy Playfair, who was also... (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Okay. Um, So he was brought in by the SPR and he was like an author and also a, a psychic researcher as well. And he later wrote a book on the case that is almost aggressively boring. (laughs) It's called This House is Haunted. (laughs) And it's like he's trying to make it as unfun as possible so that people will believe it. Anyway, over the next year, himself and Maurice Gross visited the house 180 times. And they did about 25 all-night vigils. Jesus, like, where do people sleep? There's four kids in the house. Oh, my God. The kids were being, like, flung out of the bed all hours of the day and By night. By the poltergeist? Yes. Yeah. So, what like, a, you've just skipped over this. Well, look, the weird phenomena was going thick and fast. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I described it like that. So... Um, <laughs> You, also you went, we went from the marble, the marble to being fucked out of a bed. No, we haven't gotten fucked out of the bed yet. I just okay. confirmed it's coming. Okay. But no, shit was... No, hang on. Actually, sorry, sorry. A, it does happen quite soon after the marble. that the local lollipop lady was down... What the fuck is she doing <laughs> Okay, so have you ever seen the magic roundabout? This is where I pictured this whole story taking place. Or Postman Pat or something. Yeah. It's just... Or Balamori for an Irish reference. <laughs> Um, so the, the the lollipop lady one day was going down to get her lollipop stick that she used to stash under a bush. It's just like random details like this. But and she <laughs> she stood up and she heard a mad sound and she looked up at the Hodgson's house and she saw these books being flung against the window of one of the oh, upstairs bedrooms from the inside of the house. Scary. And then the next thing she saw or she kept seeing was Janet Hodgkins appearing up at the window and dropping down and up and up and down as if she was jumping, except she was lying flat on her back. Come on! A lollipop lady. They're good people. They're They're not going to lie. They're They're not going to lie. people. They're not going to lie. How can you do that movement? Planking. How can you, but how could you, if it was a hoax... Which, given the premise of this podcast, I'm sure we're going to find out it was. <laughs> but how can you recreate that movement of being horizontal and moving up and down in the air? Well, some people argued that Janet Hodgkins was very athletic. <laughs> <laughs> but then I watched an interview with Maurice Gross and he basically was like, that was a shitty council house bed. Like, and he was like, I tried the bed and it was very, like, you know, there wasn't a great bounce. And, and was like, she kind of a slut? You can pick Picture those kind of shitty beds, you know, that kind of were in your granny's house. And was she like a, box a frame sliver, and a of, sliver a of a mattress? She was, yeah, she was very slight, very slight. Well, she was, she looked like a 70s English kid, like undernourished, <laughs> lot of teeth. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, okay, so. <laughs> there was some, obviously, doubts about the veracity of the story. One Daily Mail reporter said that it was very, very hard to really record any satisfactory data because between the house and actually the whole kind of surrounding neighbourhood, there was this kind of like mad hysteria going on. Obviously, yeah. Obviously infecting the lollipop lady. Oh, I just saw something there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
He did say, nevertheless, I'm satisfied the overall impression of our investigation is reasonably accurate. To the best of our ability, we have eliminated the possibility of total trickery, although we have been able to simulate most of the phenomena. In my opinion, this faking could only be done by an expert, not an 11-year-old girl. Okay. One night, they saw a small indent on Janet's bed that looked like it was on her pillow and the bed and it looked like a child's head. Sorry. <laughs> in Janet's bedroom. So it's just it continuing. Like so they're just, just there just being little... haunted. Like they're just being haunted away. So this somebody is was October. there. Who saw that? There's a slight compression in the pillow. Yeah. Right. Okay. As, As if, if somebody was lying on it. Or had been. Or had <laughs> been. True. Or had been. So Peggy, the mum, was the one who saw this. And that's when she was like, I wonder if we're being haunted by the spirit of a small girl, a four-year-old who was smothered to death. What the f- That's a leap. By her father. Leap. Okay. What? Used to live a few doors Sorry, down. that happened. That happened. Right. And Fucking when that hell. family was understandably moving after the tragedy, Peggy was like, what are you doing with the bed? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Really? Why are you, are you taking the sideboard with you? And the grieving mother was like, take all of it, burn it, burn it, burn out, out, demon. Peggy was like, I'll have that, I'll have that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Janet would love that. So, fucking. That's sh- excellent accent top work. Tip, top fucking tip. Don't take. Murdered. The, I mean, presumably infested with demonic spirits. Pillow of a murdered child, Peggy. Just, just, Peggy. Just the pillow. But genuinely, like the Hodgkins, like were, like t- intellectually challenged. Well, that's harsh. They like, could have just been. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Just, they like, could have just been a bit they strapped were dis- for cash. They were disadvantaged. Like they were. That's just a genuine fact. Yeah. Like you know, they're like Peggy had had pretty minimal schooling and had worked. She worked very hard to like sustain her four kids and stuff like that. Like, but. That's what I think actually does feed into this whole is it a hoax, isn't it a hoax? Because this kind of level of bullshitology takes a certain degree of smarts too, like, you know? Like, it definitely does. We've yeah. seen it loads before with our kind of hoaxers that, like, you're there going, Jesus, if you'd actually applied this to something useful, you'd, oh, like, you'd be wildly get successful. Really far you wouldn't need yeah, a dead Like, you're one bed. with the bloody 9-11 hoaxing. Like, yeah. you could have even, really even made something of your life instead of impersonating a 9-11 performing victim. or acting, they would have gotten really That's far. That's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or writing or doing a podcast. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, anyway, like, I just think it's pertinent that probably the smartest person in this house was Janet, the 11-year-old. Like... That just comes across. Okay. Was this her like, way out? Like, for example, there's a whole big connection between poltergeist, poltergeist activity and puberty. Especially in girls. Yes. What? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. No, this, this is a is known what? thing. A known thing. That, like, no. apparently, the menarche... <laughs> What's menarche? Triggers poltergeist interest. It's... <laughs> What's menarche? <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Thank you. How do you say it? <laughs> is more fun. Anyway, it's menstruating and stuff oh, like right. that. Oh, right. Sorry. They <laughs> love an old period, basically. And what, on ghosts the... love a period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do. It's like a gateway, like a... Uh, it's like the... Portal. The portal 
And the the Red Sea. Yeah. Everybody knows. The gates you get of your, hell. Yes. 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 You get your first period and your ghost friend at the same time. You, you obviously got a shy I one. I love the way you're just like, yeah, this is <laughs> Mine lives in the attic. It's fine. She's making herself known now. You're a late oh, bloomer. Late bloomer. It's fine. Maybe my boobies will come now too. Ears open. Okay, so... <laughs> anyway, um, so like on one of the first nights when all the reporters came and they started talking about was this a poltergeist, uh, one of them said to Peggy, the mum, um, like... Of the girls entered puberty and she didn't know that word. Well, he could have so, just phrased it different. I'm just saying. I just feel bad for them. Oh, I feel bad for her, but I'm just saying, like, they're, anyway, they're not that sharp. Okay. So, anyway. Harsh. Just hen, but look, look, listen. Just okay, don't take mind. the furniture of the trauma, you know, oh, trauma God. family. Yeah, okay. So, trauma family. They. They were being traumatized anyway all the while because like their whole life was completely disrupted by the knocking, the shit flying around. The visitors. The, vi- oh, the endless <laughs> visitors. They got mediums in to like kind of cackle and talk shite. Um, after about a month, the first apparitions began to appear. All right, well. Apparitions. And also I find this weirdly creepier, partial apparitions. What does that like, mean? Like one Just person. Just lower half? Like a pair of legs. Like, no, one person reported seeing, like, just a hand, which, ugh. Like, where? I what don't know doing? why, but it's like... Oh, God. No, I don't think it was doing that, but maybe it was like... <laughs> 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 and you're like, oh, you hijinks and ghosts. And uh, Peggy and one of the neighbours both saw an old woman at two different windows on the same day in the house. Um, another night Janet woke up and said there was an old man sitting in the chair by her bed who put her hand over her mouth and tried to suffocate her Um, Billy gets a look in he was just like just pay attention to me and uh, anyway so he said he saw a disembodied head of an old woman or did he yeah or maybe just was like anybody just just notice me middle Um, child Okay, so by late October, the things kicked off in August. They'd already recorded nearly 400 manifestations between objects flying, beds shaking, covers were being ripped off the family members while they tried to sleep at night. Pools of water with sharply defined edges also began appearing. What does that mean? I couldn't A square of water? <laughs> yes. Well, no, one appeared in the shape of a person on the ground. What does that mean? Like, I like a body like, outline. I think it's Did like you bring a b- like a running man? <laughs> Did, Did you, you bring a bottle of water? water to him? Now I'm just going to make a little square of water here, as you can see. Impossible. <laughs> um, there was also potentially dangerous demonstrations of force. So an iron grill, like flew across a room at speed and landed on the pillow where nice. poor little Billy. <laughs> so it's cracked a cow. <laughs> drink up, drink up here. Um, the very next evening, a gas fireplace, so you know, like picture the gas, gas. fireplace, hilarious gas in like embedded in the wall that was ripped out during people were there watching. Yeah. This. Now who witnessed that one? I don't know who witnessed that one, but like, okay. Even if like nobody, Janet, it. the 11 year old got like a chisel and was like hacking away at it while there was no one in the room. Like. It's still kind of mad that like a teenage girl would prize one of those out. We've established that she's in puberty. So She's in puberty. She's volatile. <laughs> Superhuman strength, and as we steam. well know. <laughs> that gas fireplace weighed 44 pounds. 
I did which imagine some magic is like period. four big babies tied together. <laughs> I was like, what weighs 44 pounds? And in the end, that was all I could come up four with. Four large babies. <laughs> in December, this is where things really, really start to kick off. They start to communicate with the, vo- the ghost via all the knocks because Guy Playfair was like, if he's knocking, then like maybe we can get a dialogue going. So they started doing the kind of like knock once for yes, twice for no. And they started to ask the ghost questions like, did you live in this house? Did you die in this house? Are you a man? Are you a woman? Or were you a man or a woman? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It sounds like that that game you stick as so posted on 20 your questions. Forehead, but really shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, what did they discover? <laughs> um, Was it the girl? What did they discover? <laughs> no, they discovered then that if the ghost could knock and communicate, maybe it could talk too. Oh, gosh. So, um, they were... <sighs> They were starting to have like shared hallucinations, Janet and Margaret, the two girls, both menstruating heavily. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> Maurice Gross and Isn't Guy. Isn't that the real horror? <laughs> Heavy flow. Maurice Gross and Guy Playfair was, were like listening to them. Like they were fucking crouched outside their bedroom at night. Like it's definitely problematic. But they were listening to the girls like like shouting at each other in their sleep and they heard one night Janet shout 10 little things running around making a mess and gross and play for it decided what the fuck <laughs> sorry no no but that frightened me <laughs> thank you good yeah um, people were laughing too much at my voices so anyway he decided to ask her under hypnosis what the dreams were about because he was like if they're tapping into their subconscious then this might be a way to have a communication with the, um, the spirit. And so they said, they put her under hypnosis, also totally, totally proven by science, okay? And they said, what are the 10 little things? And she answered, number one is a baby, two, a little girl, three is a big girl, four is a young girl, about 15, five's a very old lady, six is a young boy, seven is getting on about 18, Eight is an old man. Number nine, I don't know what it is. It hasn't got a face. Oh, my. Give that woman a BAFTA. (laughs) (laughs) This is sensational. What's ten? It's gone away. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It ended abruptly, you know. Also, by the way, the hypnotist that they got in to do this questioning was called Dr Fletcher, and he was a member of... Like Jessica. Uh... (laughs) The SBI, and he was an amateur magician. Nice. Ah, okay. And a surgeon. (laughs) Which is such a bad combo. Now you see it, now you don't. (laughs) Um, So uh, he asked questions like, what's causing all the trouble? And under hypnosis, Janet said, me and my sister. Which skeptics point to to say that's her confessing. Or... Very loud packet of sweets there. (laughs) I hope you have one for everyone (laughs) in the audience. Or, obviously, she meant our, you know, hectic menstruating. Oh, God. Um, Messy. So then this is when shit really gets real and all the... um, What has it been up till now? Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
It's a mad story. So basically, the voice begins. The infamous voice that. Do you have it in your pe- pocket? Uh, it's it's just up my arse here. <laughs> so it appeared to be coming from Janet. And it was like barks and whistles. And I will just say, very good dog likeness, if it's just an impression. Also, with the whistles, bit more science here, Playfair really felt Janet couldn't whistle because of her teeth. You'll see what I mean later. (laughs) I'm not being mean, I'm just relaying information. So anyway, um, eventually the whistles and barks gave way to talking. And my notes have told me to play audio one. <laughs> that's the barking. What's that? <laughs> that's, wow! <laughs> Did you hear it? Morris. At the very end. Okay, hold on now. Now that's coming from like an 11 year old Did girl. you hear that? No, no I okay. nobody heard that. I have do, better do, stuff. Do, I, do the, just make it come out of your mouth. <laughs> Dr. Berloff. Okay, I will actually, I did do some more um, little experiments. So, um, I, because <laughs> you're trying to picture, so it's a little girl, her voice is squeaky and high, like a little English girl. And then she's like, Dr. Berloff. Like, it's very painful. It's like the kind of metal death growl. I actually went deep nerd on the internet about this stuff because loads of, like, vocal experts came and examined her to see, like, how she was producing the voice because, like, say... So they got, like, ventriloquists in. I swear to fuck, this is, like... It's just, like, I don't know, the village people of weird or something. They're, like, the magician and the surgeon and the ventriloquist. And the lollipop lady. And the lollipop lady. But anyway, the ventriloquist was, like... Ventriloquism is all about the diaphragm, I think. And the ventriloquist felt that, like, yeah, you could produce this sound, but you couldn't sustain it. And this voice used to talk on and on. And did he say this and through the medium of a puppet? <laughs> yeah. A racist puppet, just yeah, a exactly. tiny man. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, like, and she never seemed to, like, be in pain or anything and didn't, like, move, like, in the way that, like, you know, if you're, like, doing death metal kind of stuff, you'd be, like, into it bodily. Mm. It's hard to produce yeah. it, I think. Now... Are you going to show us her teeth? Uh, am I going to do... Yeah, yeah, I'm going to show us her teeth. Okay, show her teeth. So, anyway, the ghost, like, actually then became quite loquacious and... um like chatted on quite a lot 
um, once he got going. But he didn't like anyone to look at Janet when he was talking. Why would that be? I mean, perhaps because... He, Janet she was putting on a voice. I don't know. But, <laughs> but no. you can't tell by looking at someone, can you? <clears throat> um, okay, so this is the, the neighbour asking how the entity died. That's frightening. Okay, so that, that, voice is scary. that voice is supposedly coming from so an 11-year-old girl. That I, just before I died, I went blind and I had an hemorrhage and I died in a chair. Do you know downstairs. when you're dying that you're having a hemorrhage? Is it like, oh yes, this is the hemorrhage. Hemorrhage. Oh, I've heard that you do. Not oh. scientific at all. I also do think all, it's like, like an interesting detail for an 11-year-old to know that you might, like that you would go blind before you die or the way like, that okay. we lose our senses before death. But a lot of people had been knocking in on this family. She had been listening to a lot of different chit chat. That is true. That is true. The voice and Janet shared certain habits, such as abruptly changing the subject from time to time, not unlike what I just did there. The voice was also unusually preoccupied with menstruation, especially for an old man. As we are here <laughs> tonight. So, on the 14th of December 1977, which is weird that I know this, Janet got her first period. Ah. Ah. And on that day, the voice asked, Why do girls have periods? <laughs> which is unusual. <laughs> Eventually... Because the voice wouldn't drop it. <laughs> One of the visiting experts, a fucking ventriloquist again, had to take Janet aside and explain menstruation to her. <laughs> That's brilliant. So proof. <laughs> proof. Then when Playfair was like, why are you so interested in periods? Is it because this is you, Janet? And you're asking because you have your period? And the voice said, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's funny. Oh, then things just good. escalated further. Basically, things started teleporting. I'm sorry. Like she herself? Um, no, like objects. Like at one point, one of Janet's books teleported into one of the neighbors' houses, or was oh, placed sorry. there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Then there was like more levitation. Then there was like these little shites started appearing around the house. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's actually part of the story that like never gets commented on. Like I, I found it in a couple of places, but most of the sources just totally ignore that bit. But like basically like the house was in shit and like there was shit everywhere and actual shit everywhere as well. So, like, things are finally, thank God, winding down for the poor Hodgkins. Um, the actual, like, coming to the close of all the mad phenomenon was, like, weirdly anticlimactic. Basically, 
the following year, like late 1978, a Dutch clairvoyant called Dono Mailing, you can correct me on that there. She used to live in Holland. <laughs> Dono Mailing? No. <laughs> Um, so he like came to the house he was like another latest in a long line kind of thing except that he was Dutch and I feel like he was a bit like slightly less kind of of a pantomime yeah like really kind of like dry and kind of just wasn't kind of going with it was he (laughs) no he was just a bit more like subtle and a bit less kind of vaudeville you know like the other clairvoyants Um, so anyway he came the night before he arrived. Apparently, like the activity was at like an absolute fever pitch with like furnitures being overturned, footsteps all over the house, knocking, the shrieking, the barking, the heavy breathing, feces smeared all over the fucking place. Um, anyway, the clairvoyant from Holland came in. He had a look around the house. Then he told Playfair that he was going to go on an astral trip. Um, the impression being that he was going to gather information about the spirits that were in the house from this other astral plane. Just by standing still and thinking about things. I think he was just going to close his eyes and think about some stuff. And then go back to you in five. Maybe some hallucinogenics, I don't know. Anyway, he came back, he went up to Janet's bedroom where he sat alone for a long time, which is interesting because every other expert that came to the house, like all the focus was on Janet and they'd like interrogate Janet endlessly. Like one set of mediums were convinced that Janet had been a witch in the Middle Ages and that she had like fucked over a lot of people and that's why all this was happening, okay. which I just really like that theory. Anyway, um, uh, after spending some time in the room, he came downstairs and he was very low key and he was basically like, that's it. And he left. And actually, that really kind of was it. Really weirdly, like all the kind of mad activity. Was, was he saying, I'm going to, to go halt. and stop? Was he going in to stop it? Was that his? Yeah, that was his bag. Like, that's what he was there to do. Ah. He didn't have any interaction with Janet. He just spent some time in the room. And was Janet at the time complaining pink. of a sore throat? <laughs> no, she'd actually been sent to a psychiatrist for a while. Right. <laughs> Which, and they came up with nothing. And anyway, so that was the end of it for the most part. Did it last about four to seven days? <laughs> Did it? Sorry, can we, can we... It was a 19-month menstruation. Wow. Yeah. Did um, they make any money? No, they didn't. Like, that's the thing. Like, anyone with an agenda, you're kind of like, they didn't get much out of it. Like, your man, Morris Gross, spent his whole life defending the case and saying, like, that they weren't lying. Guy Playfair wrote his, like, really boring book. (laughs) Um, Like, the family were fairly fucked from it. Like, um, what happened to Janet? Janet, like, is not doing well. I saw her on your favourite programme... Jeremy Kyle. This morning. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I thought of you as I watched the segment. What was she was doing like, on there? Jen would love this. Just a how are you, where she are you now? She basically never did interviews. She didn't want any part of any of it, really. Like, and she did the odd interview basically just to be like, stop calling me a liar and stuff like that. But she looks haunted. Um, she does. <laughs> like, she still looks like she's being kind of pursued. Maybe anemic. Um, it could Often be. Often people confuse the If two. she maybe went keto or cut out gluten, I don't know. Um, so then, like, it basically, um, another family moved into the house after because it was council housing, and I suppose people had no choice. And yeah. she moved down after, and that family only stayed two months. They apparently had some experiences 
um, that were much more tangible than simply feeling a presence, but nothing on a par with what the Hodgson's family had endured. And then the next family, again, another single mom and her kids, they stayed a few years, but they've never spoken publicly about the house's past or their experience there. Like, it passed hands and people didn't Is it still enjoy there living now? there. Apparently. I didn't go on Google Maps. I did a lot of other things, but I didn't go on Google Maps. So... Anyway, look, did it happen? Shall we watch um, Janet and the no, boys? No, I need to know that it didn't happen. Why have you happen? saved this video until the end? Why? We could have been discussing Janet well, and the voice. Well, hearing it properly. Oh, instead of my impersonation. <laughs> Were you not enjoying it? Well, this isn't, lo- like, it's not amazing, but it's unsatisfactory, really. Because, like, you want it to look like The Exorcist, but it doesn't look like The Exorcist. Let's all be the judge of that. Yeah, go for it. Oh, wait, 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 sorry. I was really enjoying it. <laughs> so this is an interview. That is Margaret, the older hey, sister. Am I in the way? <laughs> That's Janet. To annoy us. Will he ever say anything else? I think that's it. That's very frightening. And the ventriloquists confirmed. That she couldn't have been doing that. She could not have been doing that. She was doing this a lot. Very suspicious. But she's also 11, so I don't know. It's hard to take them seriously. It's, it does look mad, but then people can do really mad sure, things with their voice. Do you have a picture voice. of her on like, the bed? Do I have a picture of her on the this bed? Famous oh, the famous set of photographs. The famous, famous yeah. picture. Yeah. Did you, not, you didn't include that in the slideshow, <laughs> did you? Bring it up there. It's sure. working. Just give me a second. I'll just, uh, I'll just have a quick Google now. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I do you know what I do have, which is very exciting, but maybe you won't appreciate. Is has anyone ever heard of polyphonic singing and stuff, where a voice can and like it's producing two different tones at the same oh, time? Yes, yeah. Like that's what no, I. No, but I'm into it. I'm into it. Like I was looking up this stuff because I was kind of going like, what are like we capable of like making with our. Um, with our voices, like the... Look at Susan Boyle. I mean, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> Subo gives me shivers. Shite. Um, the woman who voiced the demon in The Exorcist, 
like went you know you've heard about like how they produced that voice like they tied her down did they yeah yeah they did mad shit to her um to like make the voice sound but it was a movie they could have just done a voiceover there there she is is. (laughs) not funny haunting it's haunting i mean when you see it on the big screen is that david's soul um, it's all like the Bay City Rollers. There's she, Elvis. She looks isn't? to be sort of focusing on him. The thing is, all the pictures look like um, she's just jumping. jumping. Yeah, that's what every one of the pictures look like. Jumping so, on. but there's the bed, and there, you can see Margaret in the bed. She's like, oh, back at your bullshit. She's a hunter. <laughs> she's like, give it a fucking. I loved in the video where Margaret's like, no, and the boy's like, <laughs> I'm back. Margaret's like, for fuck's sake. Oh, I've gone from it now, Ooh. sorry. I accidentally pressed play on what I've been listening to. That's your one doing the voice from The Exorcist. Sorry, that's okay. one woman. Yeah. But that's a film. But that's, wait. But Sophie, like... These are just talking. That wouldn't mean anything in front of a camera. That's her. And then that's her. Like, there's no effects on that. Sorry, that's her and then that's... Yeah, but she's not doing that because she's possessed. She's an actress. Well, no, sorry. Like, can we just... Can we please just get back to the fact no, that my attic latch is opening people... of its own okay. accord and I'm going back now to a haunted house I'm and you haven't told me that that's fake. I'm worried about you. I don't actually think it's a hoax. That's my... Like, that's Cocktail. it. I think you're left, you're left wondering, I guess, like, what do people think? Like, personally, I think that the sheer volume of the activity that was recorded. I just think like that it's absolutely batshit that anyone would decide to bring that on themselves. But we've discussed the IQ of you yourself. Okay. (laughs) It was a great story, thank you. No, that's not brilliant. Are you finished? I wanna know what people think. (laughs) Do you think it's a hoax or do you think it's- Yes, it was a hoax. Are you serious? Yes. No way. Like the voice, yeah. Um, by the way, the girls did say as adults that they did spoof the um, testers the odd time for like a bit of crack. But I actually, I just think that only serves to underscore how not a hoax it is. But you could... Because they, of course they did. They were like, oh, I'm so bored of all the ventriloquists. <laughs> of all the people to spend loads of time around. Magicians ventri- and ventriloquists. Uh, can we really quickly, can I show you the polyphonic scene? Because it's terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh ah, God. just such an ad. Just yeah. having a very hard time with the technology. Okay, this is just one woman singing. Amazing. We can all do this. Just give it a sec. Just do- oh, tis beatboxing. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything more beautiful than a harmony, though? Well. That is, you know, self harmonizing. What are you doing in there, Cassie? The vocal cords used for good, and then, you know, look. Boolabos, that was great. Thank you very much. Very haunting. I mean, it was less scary and more fun than I remember. I preferred the story you told about cutting off a man's penis because I didn't have to go home to a man, and now I'm going home to a man. Relate so heavily to that haunted house and the two teenage girls you live with, menstruating as we speak. Lucky you. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm all out of whack. Right, my story is sa- sad. Shorter. Shorter. And sad. Okay. Sorry. 
Are you ready? On May, that's not important, 2014, not important either, in a small town in Wisconsin, 12-year-old Peyton, gross, sad, no, not the name, crawled to the edge of a forest onto a track where she was found by a passing cyclist. Peyton had been stabbed 12 times. She was still alive, though. So the cyclist, while trying to calm her down, asked her, who has done this to you? And she replied, my friends. Peyton was rushed to hospital and the search began for Peyton's friends. Real friendly, these friends. <laughs> so, so dark, there's no humour in this whatsoever. Like, it's fine, it's fine. The child has been stabbed. She's been stabbed. But by okay. other children. By other children, but it's so it's, dark. She lives, so we can all enjoy the story. But oh, okay. Cool. She lives, she lives, she lives. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's important. out of any kind of empathy. Okay, I'm back to... Well, I actually... Sociopathy. I've really heavily focused on the people who've the done lulls. it. Okay. Rather than Peyton, so I don't know anything about her. Anyway, so she lives, it's Grant. Except, they, so they found the friends. Anissa and Morgan. Anyone recognise those names? You might, yeah, you might recognise the story. Were found a few hours later, a couple of miles deep into the forest. In Morgan's backpack, a blood-soaked kitchen knife. I mean, there was no denying it. No. <laughs> they were taken into custody and brought to the local police station for questioning. So it's from here that, because it's America, no offence, Shanna, uh, they, <laughs> it's filmed and it's all on YouTube. So they're both separated and oh, questioned separately. police custody. In police custody. And um, it becomes really clear watching this. First of all, they had no parents there and they had no Their children lawyer. being interviewed on their own by the police. Yes, they're both 12 years old. Okay. Uh, as much as you're like, you're 12, they, they were very compassionate, very kind of... Were they on their period? Articulate. <laughs> well, obviously. Um, both menstruating. So uh, it becomes really clear these people, that there was no remorse. For, uh, for instance, Anissa one of them, uh, her first question was, do you mind if I have a look at my Fitbit? Because I'm, personally, I'm not athletic, but I felt that I covered quite some ground and I'd be interested to know my steps for today. <laughs> Fuck, that the actual first thing she's asked. Uh, yeah. So you get the vibe. So the well, two she's police- she's on program, you know, I well, guess. Well, exactly. She's I mean, something terrible has goals. happened. But she's uh, covered a lot of ground. She didn't cover as much as she thought she did. Uh, <laughs> if anybody counting didn't their steps her can relate. <laughs> didn't hit her 10,000. Um, right, the, so the interview, it's actually mad. Do you ever watch police interviews with people? All the time. I know. Like genuinely all the because time. Because the police officers act so blasé about what they're asking them. So it's kind of opens with, so we found your friend and uh, Paul's... So yeah, no, what, what were you guys, I mean, what were you guys doing? You know, were you, did something happen? And they were like, yeah, yeah, she got stabbed a lot. <laughs> a lot. And then and he's uh, like, yeah, I know like, the yeah. way. Yeah, so I yeah. found her, so we know that. Um, <laughs> so Anissa, there's a bit of, right, there's a Morgan and Anissa and Peyton, a threesome in school, 12 years old. The original duo were Morgan and this Anissa girl. And then this late edition, was Peyton. Oh, you never want to be the Sorry, last. Sorry, no. Oh, I've told it wrong. Peyton, the victim, 
was an originally part of a twosome Morgan and Peyton. No way. Right oh. Like, oh. Along comes Anissa. Oh. And the ultimate betrayal. Well, she was like, well, it would be my opinion. That Morgan Anissa, was trading up. Like it kind of in the friend stakes. Well, pa- pa- Peyton obviously wasn't doing it for her. So she yeah, was like, we exactly. just need to. Yeah. So look, basically, this is the equivalent of us stabbing Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not going to. <laughs> the, the knife just flew out of my hand. I we genuinely, had several of I know witnesses. you wouldn't be able to stomach it. No, I'd I actually know I'd be fine because I just have to deal with you. Okay, go. Where was I? So during the questioning, uh, both of the girls started talking about Slenderman. And it's obvious that the the two... In the police officer place. Yeah, they were both like, well, you know, Slenderman. And both of the police officers were like, what the fuck are you doing? No, no, no. Oh, were they not like, yeah. We don't know who Slenderman is. Is he in the eighth grade? Is he hot? Yeah. (laughs) Keto. How'd he get so thin? Uh, So then Anissa, my least favourite of the two murderers, started... (laughs) Explaining. I remember that when I watched. It like, started explaining. She's a bitch. Yeah, to the and police officer a in a condescending tone <laughs> who Slenderman was. So Slenderman. You, There's nothing more condescending than a 12 year old girl as well. Uh, okay, uh, well, I guess I'll tell you. So she goes on to describe who's, who Slenderman is. And she crucially goes on to talk about how Slenderman. Isn't real, so she says. So well, she said, "No, he's not real." Anissa, Anissa talks about him being uh, part of this creepy. Do you know, have you heard of creepy pasta? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's so, where we spent all of our time. <laughs> exactly. So it's got ghost stories, but they're not real, and they're kind of acknowledged to be ghost stories that are not real, and they kind of live on the internet, and people add to them and sure. interact with them. Yeah. So, but Slenderman himself became. By, it was a Photoshop con- uh, contest. The Photoshop contest was like, make an image look real, was the contest. And uh, it was like, was that the whole point of the Photoshopping? The f- anyway, so these two, this guy made an image. Do you have cast you of those images? Oh, I do. So these were the original Slenderman images. Everything looks fine. <gasps> Ooh, I hate that one. Take, okay, if you can. It's in the background. This guy is distracting. It's that guy. There he is there, right? See his arm outstretched? And zoom out Get again. Get up there now. So this, this guy is, in the background. Do you, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like when someone shows you their pregnancy scan. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I think I see a hand. <laughs> it's a girl. <laughs> is you that an axe? Oh my God. His hand and his l- very long elongated body and... So okay, well, you really actually can't see it from that picture there, but he's this really tall... But there's more the next pictures. Picture. Do the one with the playground. There yeah. is this one. With the kind of tentacles coming out the back of him. Yeah. So Slender Man from Legend, that well, somebody made it Internet up. Internet lore. Is a very, very tall man, always in a black suit. Very slender. Very slender. <laughs> always hanging around trees and children. So think of him like Michael Jackson of the forest. <laughs> That's how I've been thinking about him. Except without any music. So kind of mute Michael. <laughs> sort of weird face. Yeah. So no talent whatsoever. Very tall. 
very tall. So uh, according to lore, or according to what these girls were saying, it gets fucking... They were both... I don't know. They both obviously became obsessed with this and they were yeah. reading all this shit and decided... They kind of picked bits of it out themselves. And they were totally... They wanted to be his proxies, is what they, they were saying. And in order to prove that he was real, or to, they had to make a sacrifice to him. And God love Peyton, who wasn't in on any of this. Peyton wasn't doing any of the Slenderman research. Um, <laughs> uh, these two wagons uh, were just keeping it from her and then eventually... So anyway, so what they were going to do is... They you can see how it would come about, though. Yeah, in the, the kind madness. of hot housing of, like, 12-year-old girldom. Yeah. It's like, like, we did it about the Spice Girls, which was thankfully less Safe. homicidal. <laughs> but, like, we dressed up as the Spice Girls and had, like, serious falling out about, like, who got to be baby. And nothing like this. Nobody story blacked at all. up. Absolutely I just want to say. nothing like huh? that. No, but what I mean is, it's like the, all Are that intensity that applied to Slenderman. Like it's just lucky that we didn't have Slenderman, and we had. It's really lucky that Mel B didn't tell you to stab someone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right okay. back in the room. So another point against Anissa here, right? Because eventually bitch. she's a bitch. She gets the lighter end of the stick in the end of this. <sighs> You'll hear, you'll hear for why. Now, they decided Peyton needed to die for no fucking reason. Oh, for a reason. They were going to sacrifice her. Slenderman was, <laughs> was going to be real. And then they were going to live in the Slender Mansion. Hey! <laughs> Where everybody's been. And uh, the directions to Slender Mountain were vague. So they said that we were just going to keep walking straight. And then that would be the direction yeah I mean orienteering not their strongest point <laughs> so um then so there was gonna all gonna happen they had various kind of plans the creepiest thing that Anissa said was they were on a sleepover that night it was one of their birthdays and they were all together in the house and they were gonna kill her during the night and put a put a thing over her leave her and then walk to Slenderman Slender Mansion but they couldn't do that they decided to give her one more night of being alive because they're kind mm. and uh crucially they didn't want to kill her when she was alive because Anissa said if you kill somebody you see the reflection of yourself in their eyes and then you die with them you can see the logic mm. on some level uh, funny though because Anissa wasn't the fucking one that killed her she just okay she so, just like masterminded it she fucking did in my opinion mm. anyway so they decided then they weren't going to do it here dolls. they 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 were just kind of innocently they got up the next day they had donuts for breakfast because it's america i guess that's what happened <laughs> and uh, they off they went to the park with permission from one of their parents they hit a public toilet well thank god they got permission very important <laughs> Uh, they were checking out the drains in the public. To Meanwhile, Peyton was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you guys are acting really weird. And they decided, let's play hide and seek in the forest. Oh, so dark. Oh. This always and, uh, starts with some creepy kind of game, doesn't oh, it? And, and then the red light comes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they head into the forest. Uh, and this is like, and this starts counting. Morgan's like, come on, let's go hide. She lies on top of uh, Peyton um, she said, oh, well, like a killer here doesn't kill Maiden's like, what are you doing? Get the fuck off me. She was like, okay. And then Anissa arrives like this from behind, like Slenderman herself, and says, I think from, from what they're saying, it sounds like she gives the knife to Morgan, or Morgan might have had the knife. Anyway, kind of passes back and forth. And then Alyssa says, do it now, Morgan. 
go ballistic. Oh. And then Morgan just does it. Yeah. And Morgan's interview very now, as it turns out, Morgan has problems. She's troubled. She's troubled. Uh, and she was later diagnosed as having childhood schizophrenia. schizophrenia. And her dad have schizophrenia. Which is strange because during the, one of the documentaries I watched, her dad was like, I have schizophrenia, but we never told Morgan. But also I was like, if you know you have it, would you be looking out for the signs? Wouldn't you? Because they were like, it just came out of nowhere. But as it turns out, like when they're talking a bit more about Morgan, you're like, no. What were the signs? Like delusions? Yeah, she was seeing things. She definitely, basically what happened was Anissa planted this slender man seed in Morgan. And Morgan went fucking ballistic. Like Morgan went fully, got completely enveloped in it. And was the one then to eventually try to attempt to kill Peyton. It's mad. So she practically became... Anissa's proxy yes I guess you're right Anissa in the interview totally like Morgan is detached but it you could tell from that you could tell like she's definitely not having normal feelings about what's happening here and her mum was interviewed and told her and told the story of watching Bambi with Morgan and then the mother dying bit and then turning to Morgan to be like okay now I comfort my and there was nothing she was just like Oh. Do you think that would be a sign? <laughs> that it's, it's one of those moments. Also, Morgan believes... I'm always looking for empathy in my son, though. And, like... You're not finding you it? No. <laughs> Just, it's hard to produce the right reaction sometimes. Any reaction? She was in the fully... Uh, plus, she, she believed in Santa Claus till she was 11, which is old. Is it? Yes, I think it well, is. Well, she basically transitioned from Santa straight to Slenderman. Slenderman. <laughs> With no pit stop. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah. Jeez, yeah. that's mad, isn't it? So in It's the, just like a kind of, what is it? Is it called folie a deux? When two very particular personality types come together and it sets off madness. Well, I guess so. But it, it felt to me like Anissa was like, great, I can just make this one do whatever I want. And she did. <sighs> and in the end, so she was diagnosed. They were both tried as adults, which seemed totally wrong. And uh, I know, sad. And uh, Morgan then was, she got 40 years in a mental institution. 40. Oh my God. Peyton lived. So she was two or three weeks in hospital, recovered from injuries, back in school, lived. Uh, Morgan and uh, Anissa got 25 years. What state is this? Minnesota, Wisconsin. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah so I think there's an, am I right Did I mean, there's another documentary coming out on this very soon there's mm-hmm. loads of and what's yeah. interesting is there's a the HBO one I watched was very I much um, kind of uh, it was ambiguous as to who was kind of the ringleader it sort of let you think it was mo- the media went fucking crazy for Morgan because yeah. she looked this weirder of the two yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean yeah which was so it was all this kind of frenzy around it and it just felt shit. Fucking Issa, man. She was the one. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch because I yeah. feel I came away being like, well, that Morgan, right. though. Yeah. <laughs> and, mean, uh, either of them, really. Yeah. So I recommend watching that HBO. Poor Peyton. She's going to have trust That's, issues. Um, massive. Massive trust issues. But the, the crucial thing is she's alive. Yeah, but yeah. her two friends stabbed her 12 times and left her for dead. Yeah, God, there's a grimness in the description of her Isn't trying to there? get up. Oh. And then be like, no, no, down It's just you go. really dark. 
Mass oh. of Darkness. Uh, I was going to say really grim the way they were like kind of half plotting the murder just kind of in front of her where they were like, oh, I kind of yeah. do you here. And totally. Peyton's like, what are we doing, guys? Why are we in this toilet? Why yeah. are we looking at this drain? <laughs> yeah. There we go. What's that in your bag? <laughs> Why are we and looking at this drain? me. Yeah. So, um, Super dark. Top shout out to the top comment on the, which is just from Z-Blade. Longest condom ad I've ever seen. Uh, so I recommend the the documentary. Thank you. Do you have anything light to? I absolutely do not have anything light, but I am going to impart a five minute break because I really have to go to the toilet. All and right. We've been talking for an All hour right. and a bit. So oh, everyone, talk amongst yourselves. Go yeah. for a cigarette, refill your drinks, and we'll be back. Okay, are we all ready? Because Cassie's going to bring us on a journey. Oh, yes. Yes. For the next ten to fifteen minutes. <laughs> I'm going to bring you on a journey. Um, we're recording. Yeah. Ready to go. Thank you all. Um, I really, really, really had to wee. Like, really oh, had to wee no there during... The like, ears are like trying to speed wee. I did speed wee, I did, I found. I no, did, I found. I did, I found. I did, I found. I sped wee. I sped wed. I am going to tell you the story of... Um, a very interesting story. I'm going, to, I'm going to build it up a little bit, okay? I'm going to tell you a really interesting story. And we've never had so many people suggest a story to us. And I say so many people, genuinely eight people <laughs> message either me personally, eight strangers and one of my good friend, Ellen Coyne, um, did message me on Twitter to say to do this story because it's really topical at the moment. And there's a, there's a new Hulu series coming out based on this story. So has anybody heard the story of Dee Dee Blanchard? If everyone puts their hands up, we could just who, talk who, about it. Who's sharp and take a breath, Adam? Okay, that's, that's a lot less people than I expected, okay? This is the most batshit story. Like, the, when we talked about putting this podcast together, you approached me like it would be the kind of, we talk about, like, D.D. Blanchard. Yeah. Like, this was... This Why are was you the neglecting to say Gypsy Rose? That's the... That's because it's the murder of D.D. Blanchard. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> It's because it's, it's just, it's, it's so good. Everyone refers to it as the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard, right? Dee Dee Blanchard, God rest her soul. Was born in Louisiana in 1967 and she was troubled, to say the least. She has every single red flag that we, go on, everyone settle in, pour a drink. <laughs> it's a good, I say 15 minutes, it's an hour and 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> But she was really, really troubled when she was growing up, right? So she was the, she was one of six children. Her father married her mother, Emma, and then later remarried a woman called Laura. Her mother was a petty thief. And um, but you were going to say petty file. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't, so it's grand. <laughs> it's dark, but it's not that dark. <laughs> okay. Um, Just a petite file. So she... Growing up, one of six children, you can imagine, she didn't get a lot of attention. She sort of followed in her mother's footsteps and she sort of got involved in petty crime. I don't actually need this anymore, so I'm just going to put this down. So we I do have a photo. We can bring it out later. Um, so she got involved in petty crime. But at some point in her like, young adult life, she decided she's going to get her shit together and become a nurse's aide. Right? I think that's crucial because she has... What does that mean? I'm assuming like a care assistant, okay. but someone who has access to a limited medical knowledge is what we should take from that. When she was 24, okay, this is where the paedophile thing maybe comes into it. When she was 24, she met a man called Rod who was 17. 
And they started dating. Interesting. Mm. You wouldn't often see that. 24 and 17? Well, with the woman and the very young boy. Okay. Um, we're tight on time, but we'll go ahead. Um, so they, she quickly fell pregnant, right? It was Louisiana in the kind of 70s, early 80s. No, sorry, this is about the 90s. <laughs> it's Louisiana, it's America. Just bring it back to that. And um, so they got married. When she fell pregnant, they got married. But about a month before their daughter was born, Rod, 17, was like, oh no, fuck this. I'm getting married for the wrong reasons. Left her. Was like, I'm not interested. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair. fair. But right. Didi's fucked. I would have said more standard. Yeah. <laughs> standard, right? Off out of she there. She gave birth to a little girl in 1991 called Gypsy Rose. Beautiful. So named because Didi liked gypsies and Rod liked Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Legit. Why does was... Rod get a say? Because he was a supportive father at that stage. And he was a supportive father throughout her entire life. He actually was kind of peripheral all the way through, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of, he was kind of pushed aside by <laughs> Dee, Dee which we'll later get to. But I can really relate to this Guns N' Roses name because I am named Cassandra because my dad was an Only Fools and Horses fan. Well, that's better. Like, it's legit. You just made right? this whole story so you could say I that, I just wanted to get it out there. Um, so... When Gypsy was a baby, Dee Dee became really fixated on her health and started um, obsessing over the fact that she had sleep apnea. And she started taking to her, when she was about three months old, she started taking Gypsy to specialists and uh, had her stay over in the hospital, had her monitored. And even though they didn't find any signs of sleep apnea, Dee Dee started telling people that she suffered from a chromos- chromosome defect. Becca? Chromosomal? Chromosomal. Chromosomal. I actually went onto Google and was like, pronounce. <laughs> Dr. Becca Call, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I went on to, uh, I did go into Google and I was like, pronounce this earlier on. And you still got it wrong. And I still got it wrong. I was it's really okay, nice. I did Menarche earlier. Yeah. Um, so she, she started telling people that Dee Dee had this disorder, right? Just In, for the crack. No, because she, I think she genuinely believed that there was something wrong with her daughter. There was obviously signs. She wasn't sleeping. There was something happening. Three months old, though. Yeah, good point. That's a baby. Sounds They're just like a regular baby. Demonic forces. Um, so Dee Dee, as a kind of nurse's aide, would often assist people in her family. But in 1997, when Gypsy was six, Dee Dee's mother passed away. And the family suspected that Dee Dee was responsible. That Dee Dee assisted in that? <laughs> How? By starvation. Oh dear, that's not first, nice. First red flag. But nothing ever really became of it. Nothing happened. Like nobody pressed charges. Was Dee Dee looking after her mum at the Dee time? Dee Dee was looking after her mother at the oh, time. God. Okay. Then in 1997, this is crucial. When Gypsy was six years old, um, or when Gypsy was six or seven, she was in an accident on her grandfather's motorbike and she injured her knee. And when she injured her knee, Dee Dee was convinced that the, sur- that the knee would require surgeries, multiple surgeries. So she went to the hospital and she took her for x-rays or whatever, and she was given a wheelchair for that accident. But Dee Dee started telling everyone that Gypsy needed a wheelchair permanently. What age was Gypsy again? She's about six, six or seven. Right. The age thing gets more and more complicated as the story progresses. So 
when Gypsy was this age and when Gypsy was in the wheelchair, Dee Dee started getting called out for like minor offences. She kind of went back to that sort of petty theft space in her life. Um, and one of the offences that she was done for was writing bad checks. So she was obviously in kind of a, uh, you know, she wasn't financially stable. Um, she says that she wasn't getting any child support from Rod, who would have been like 25 at this time. Um, so she moved back in with her father and his, her father's new wife, Laura. And despite being suspected of killing her mother, she started looking after Laura oh when she became a little bit unwell. She's and she was then thinner accused and thinner, no doubt. She was then accused of poisoning Slender You're on fire tonight, Sophie. <laughs> she was accused of poisoning her stepmother's food. But again, instead of anybody doing anything about it, Dee Dee just moved on and went elsewhere. So she took Gypsy and they moved to a place called Slidell, which is elsewhere in Louisiana. And because of Gypsy's uh, disabilities, which at this time she then she went on to say that she had this disorder and that she also had muscular dystrophy. <laughs> That's dystrophy. An easy, That's an easy one. Nailed that one. <laughs> Um, so her, her disabilities qualified her for kind of social housing. Um, and then Dee Dee started homeschooling her daughter. And at this stage, it was like, she's got hearing and vision problems. She's got the muscular dystrophy. She, you know, she was going to specialists all the time. I'm going to keep what saying it and D- just don't bring me up was, on it. Okay. But was Dee Dee, was she telling, uh, uh, Gypsy Rose all of this was ha- like was Gypsy Rose saying okay, she was like okay. you're sick I'm looking after you okay. you're sick mm-hmm. okay and she was going to and all she's all ever known is I'm I guess, sick and I've mom had this says wheelchair. I'm sick yeah and, and it, this started when she was a baby you mm. know so um, she's constantly taking her to hospitals and seeking treatment for like all of these ailments that she says that her daughter suffers from which include things like um, regular seizures um, you know the muscular problems the not being able to walk uh, the learning difficulties all these kind of things she says she's just you know she's not developing it's just rude so Gypsy (laughs) Gypsy is being prescribed medication to deal with these symptoms that her mother says she has okay so she's being Medicated. Do you want turning it on airplane? Do you want to get back to somebody? Back in the room. Back in the room, (laughs) Sophie. So um, she's being prescribed medications and having somehow having surgeries to deal with these ailments. How do how do you just decide that you need a surgery? But this she's she's a seven year old, eight year old child. And your mother's taking you to the doctor saying she's having seizures, suffering from these things. Right. Medical professionals are like, oh, this child has slow development. I'm not going to... They're going to examine every... They're going to go yeah, deep. Yeah, so yeah. They, they keep, like, they keep having um, surgeries to try and figure out what's wrong with her. Dee Dee says that she's not keeping down her food, so a feeding tube is inserted. Oh, my God. Right, which is like quite a like a invasive yes. thing. Like, it's a hole in your belly. and Nobody yeah. up until now is, is, is having any kind of... Like they're all believing Dee Dee. Nobody's questioning yes, Dee Dee. Yes, because Dee Dee is acknowledged as being a very loving and caring mother. Okay. She's always with Gypsy. She's always looking after her. She's, she's operating in her best interest. She's trying to, def- you know, discover new... She's devoted. Totally devoted. Her she's whole not life working. is focused on She's not working. Girl. She's homeschooling her. She's with her all of the time. Also, she just they've wants... ignored that she like murdered somebody and tried to kill someone Suspected. else. Suspected. So- 
tank she was in a wheelchair all the time her hair fell out for cancer treatment she had leukemia and sorry she didn't have leukemia she had chemotherapy she had treatment for leukemia administered by Didi or a hospital fucking hell okay anyway the other the other I mean this is where we get to the stage where Jen asks questions I don't have the answer to but we're going to (laughs) continue um the medications were so strong they caused her teeth to fall out and rot. What? Um, Jesus. And according to Dee Dee and everyone else around her, she had intellectual disabilities. She couldn't really speak or fight for herself or whatever. But then tragedy <laughs> struck again. I love your face here. Tragedy struck again in 2005 when the area they were living in was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, meaning that all of Gypsy's medical reports and documents and history were destroyed. And the two had no option but to up and relocate. They eventually settled in Missouri and doctors aided them in being airlifted to their new location. So Habitat for Humanity stepped in and they built them a really nice house, specially adapted for all of Didi's, uh, all of Gypsy's difficulties. Um, it included a wheelchair ramp and a jacuzzi to help for the treatment with her muscles. Presumably, she was legitimately very ill at this point. From all well, of this. she looks she definitely incredibly, looked incredibly yeah, ill, yeah. right? So, I'll show you a photo afterwards. But she, um, Dee Dee, sorry, she, so hell. she's like, Tosser. she's really, really small. Yeah. She's in a wheelchair, she's really thin. Her hair, she just her hair doesn't grow back. Um, her teeth have fallen out, and she's got this like really small, round face and these big, huge glasses. She doesn't speak that much in interviews. Um, and yeah, she just, she looks ill. She is. She looks, really, she is ill. She's pumped. She yeah, needs. exactly. Yeah. Pumped full of medication. Um, so the story of the single mother with the severely disabled child was considered by local media as like just an incredible story of triumph. And there was this outpouring of support from this new community that they were in and, um, everyone just had a great deal of, of sort of empathy for them. And from that, then they started receiving donations and help. And, um, you know, Gypsy became like the marshal in parades. She was really well known. They were involved with like the Ronald McDonald uh, house there. They um, received free flights to see doctors in Kansas City. They had free trips to Walt Disney. They had backstage uh, passes to concerts from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Was Dee Dee courting this stuff? I mean... She's promoting her, you know what I mean? I think it was just that they gained a lot of attention and things started kind of snowballing from there. Like, I don't know if she actively went out and was like, here is my sick child or whether it was just a case of like concerned people around the area where, I mean, they were dealing with Habitat for Humanity after Hurricane Katrina anyway. So I'm sure from there, other charities and stuff got um, got to involved. Um, it was really not hard to pity them and it was not hard to pity Dee Dee either. Like she seemed like a devoted mother who was just doing the best she could for her sick, um, her sick child. Um, like I said, she was about five foot in all and she just looked 
really, really uh, unwell. She, Dee Dee then became so conscious of Gypsy not feeling bad that she instructed members of her family that she was still in contact, including uh, Gypsy's father, to only wish her like a happy 14th birthday when in fact she was actually 18. What? Yeah, so if like someone called to, I don't know, wish her well or chat to her, she would be like, you know, she's got loads of diseases and she's not well and she's, in, you know, mentally not as developed. Just say it's her 14th birthday because she, I don't want her to feel bad. Okay. That's another red flag for me. Anyway. Um, so... Dee Dee was just completely embedded in the community. They had... From that community, they were getting financial support, they were getting assistance, and she was getting a lot of attention. Like, a lot of people would check in on Didi and make sure that this devoted mother was okay, right? Is no one talking to Gypsy Rose? They are, but, like, there are interviews with Gypsy Rose where she's... She's quite childlike. Yeah, there is a voice. Sophie, do the voice. (laughs) (laughs) Like what, Gypsy Rose's voice? Yeah. yeah. Like really squeaky and high and really saccharine kind of princess. That's like really that. accurate. Nice. So it's really, like, it's really childish. Like, and it's she really good at dresses her, Dee Dee dresses her like a child. Yeah, if you could imagine, like, yeah. but if you could imagine, she's dressed, like, completely like a child. She wears this little hat all the time. She's got these big glasses. She's in a wheelchair. She's got this little oxygen tank on her, you know. Dee Dee's just completely brainwashed her though yeah I mean at this point it's really unclear whether Gypsy knew Gypsy genuinely believed that she was sick well it would be confusing to anybody yeah after but she's being been told brought up this whole, whole way right mm. so it wasn't until um, a neurologist uh, Bernardo Flasterstein became sus- <laughs> I mean, I we like a funny name I might have pronounced it wrong but let's <laughs> go with it um, he became suspicious of the long list of ailments and he was seeing Gypsy in Springfield and he ordered MRIs and blood tests and he found that there were no abnormalities in them. So she didn't have muscular dystrophy. <laughs> and he said, I don't see any reason why she doesn't walk. Uh, he told Dee Dee that in a follow-up visit that Gypsy could, that he saw Gypsy stand up and support her own weight. Um, he noted that Dee Dee wasn't really good at remembering Gypsy's medical history and he suspected Munha- Munchausen's by, by proxy. proxy. That old so, chestnut. That old... It's the fucking creepiest thing ever, isn't it? Absolutely. Does everyone know what Munchausen's by proxy is? You pretend, it's not that you're pretending to be sick, it's that you're pretending your child yeah so Munchausen syndrome when you else. have it is that you somebody put their hand up as if like yeah I've got it <laughs> that's do, me do you have Munchausen's by proxy who's your proxy oh you know what it is oh the husband's the proxy yeah what's wrong with them <laughs> you put your hand up tell him to fuck off um, that was the best I was just like oh. yeah um, I've struggled with this <laughs> for years not as much as my kids have <laughs> oh god oh my god so dark I'm sorry so Munchausen's is when you pretend to be sick for attention, essentially, and Munchausen's by proxy is when you pretend or make somebody else sick for the attention of being their carer. So despite this neurologist noting that he felt it was Munchausen's by proxy, he did nothing to report it. He didn't take it to social services. And his reasoning was that you report someone when there is neglect, but Dee Dee was just being overly cautious. Whole, 
what? Okay. Louisiana's. Just he didn't want to really do the paperwork. Or something, well, they're in Missouri it? now at this stage. Oh, they're in Missouri right? now. Okay. But he also claimed that authorities wouldn't have believed him because he was told by the hospital and by the charities that they were dealing with to treat them with golden gloves, which basically ah. was like these are their poster sick children. That's really dark also. But <laughs> that they were, you know, that they well, were, they were kind famous of, at this point. Essentially, yeah. And they were the kind of focal point of a lot of the goodwill of the community. So and that was let's good. not destroy <laughs> it. Um, but he really should have Such reported it. Logic. Because like the yeah. community have finally come together over something. Let's not ruin that. The rock the but he also, They're finally displaying he only, some empathy. I think, I think he only disproved... Can I shorten it to MD? Like, I'm just going to shorten it to MD, yeah. right? He only disproved Muscular that. Muscular And he didn't know about, um, you know, she was still reporting that she'd had leukemia, that she had all these other things, that she was, you know, disabled intellectually. He, you know, he just figured that maybe this was one ailment that she didn't actually have, but she could have still potentially had others. Okay. In 2009, an anonymous caller told the police about Dee Dee's use of different names and birth dates for herself and Gypsy. Strange. And suggested that Gypsy was in a was in better health and had been claimed, but officers performed a wellness check, and they accepted Dee Dee's explanation that she used that information to distract from Gypsy's abusive father, so that she was lying and she was creating false identities and pushing out misinformation. But it was in a defence of this man is quite abusive and we don't want him to find us, which they believed, and they were like, "That's grand," and the police went away. Okay. Okay. They also reported that Gypsy seemed to genuinely be mentally handicapped, was the report. Nice. Yeah, that's kind. Isn't it? Um, then we come into kind of 2010 and Gypsy starts accessing the internet, which is a real common thread of when things go wrong on the creep dive. So when someone gets access to the World Wide Web... <laughs> Um, and she started connecting with people online. She began to suspect at this point that her mother was lying about her age. And a, la a neighbor later recalled an incident in which Gypsy arrived at her front door without her wheelchair, brandishing a birth cert and proved that she was in her 20s. Gypsy wanted the neighbor to take her to a hospital to visit a man she had met online. But Dee Dee caught her at the neighbor's house and produced a different birth cert saying that Gypsy was only 14. Dee Dee's logic was that the birth cert that Gypsy had was issued incorrectly after Hurricane Katrina when everything was lost and that the one that she had was the real actual one. So it was just, it was How a typo. How did she explain the walking? I don't know if she did. <laughs> I think it was just, just... overlooked that section. Yeah. They're overlooking so much though at this point. That's minor compared to the murder and the suspected murder. And then the but these people, these good <laughs> people of Missouri do not know about our history of suspected murder or okay, poison sorry, and all sorry, that kind true. of stuff. Right? But also, I guess maybe they, were, maybe they felt awkward about it. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to disbelieve someone who's got a sick child because it's so yeah. bizarre that you would feign that level of disability and trauma for attention, you'd be like, ah, oh, they're not really. And then what happened? And then in 2011, Gypsy kind of had about four to five Facebook accounts, secret Facebook accounts for mother. So Dee Dee and Gypsy shared a Facebook account where they were gaining a lot of kind of public attention and stuff. 
had loads of friends and they would post updates about Gypsy's progress and health and all that kind of stuff. But Gypsy started creating these secret Facebook accounts which she would use to meet people online. But actually in 2011, she met an older man who was about 35 at a sci-fi convention. So it wasn't unusual that they would go to sci-fi conventions. Gypsy was really obsessed with Disney movies and she would often go dressed up as princesses and they would connect with other people or whatever. Those sci-fi conventions seem to be huge in the States. Massive. But she was just going alone or? No, she was going with her mother. Okay, grabbed. Another red flag, anyone who goes to a sci-fi convention. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. With their whoa, mother. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait, I've seen that phrase. Know our listener, Kathy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, take it back. Redacted. Um, so she connected with this man afterwards online and she attempted to run away with him. So one night she opened and left. I know. Did, did that guy think she was 14? No, that guy thinks she's 20. So she started telling people that she's 20 because she believes the birth cert that she found or acquired. I don't know where she got it from. But she left the house one night and went to a hotel room to meet that man. But because she had met him at the sci-fi convention, there was this kind of network where they had a lot of mutual friends. So Dee Dee managed to track them down and she went to the hotel room and she produced a birth cert saying he's only 14. Oh. And the man was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and Matt. so Gypsy went so back So this presumably with Dee started Dee. to piss Gypsy off in a major way. Yeah, because obviously she's... But also report, blocks. Reported, <laughs> so this is the thing, right? Reported by neighbours, Gypsy started becoming more and more interested in the idea of romance and wanting to find a boyfriend. So like her online pursuits seemed to be a lot of them connecting with men. And she would often ask her friend, Aaliyah, who was a 23-year-old neighbor who believed Gypsy was about 14 or 15. She didn't realize that they were actually really close in age. She kind of saw herself as an older sister sort of figure to her. And Gypsy would often ask her about boyfriends and romance and kissing and all that kind of stuff. Periods. (laughs) (laughs) It says she had barely any access to the outside world. Barely, right? It's just this prison of her mother. Mm. So after that incident where she tried to run away with a man... Didi restricted her internet access. But it's just, Didi's described as being someone who's not that smart and I don't think she realised... Here we go again. I don't think she knew how much access Gypsy was having on the internet or where she was getting it from because in 2012, Gypsy was able to access the internet again. And it's there that she met a man called Nicholas Godejan on a Christian singles dating website. Apparently. <laughs> right. So Godejan had his own issues. He was about 22 at the time, but he had a history of mental illness. He claimed to have multiple personality disorder and he had a criminal past for, this is my favorite part of the story, masturbating in a McDonald's for nine hours. (laughs) (laughs) What? When? Where? How? There's so many puns that we could come up with there now. <laughs> or like the ba 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 ba. That's all I've got. I'm pulling it. it. <laughs> right? But like he was chafing. he was quite. Um, I'd say so he was a little raisin. He was those little raisins oh you get free God, with the um, with the Happy Meal. But uh, he was interested in BDSM. Cool. That's cool. There's also another podcast in the Tall Tales Network called Pure Filth for anyone who's interested in BDSM. It's no cross-pollination. Okay. And uh, <laughs> was uh, Dee Dee interested in BDSM? So Sorry, a lot of their, uh, a lot of their messages became sexual in their content. 
but Didi or Gypsy says that she wasn't really interested in it but one of his personalities was so she fed into that because while she knew that some of his personalities were kind of overtly sexual and violent she was in love with the good part of him she was in love with the Christian singles dating site personality. There's a lot of red flags, Gypsy. A lot of red flags, right? So the two really fell in love. There was a courtship going on for quite some time on the internet. And they devised this plan to meet up IRL. And the plan was that Godajan was to come to the cinema where Gypsy was going to go with her mother, Didi. And that happened. He, he, he got a bus down, they rent the same cinema. And they met each other and they encountered each other and they started talking but it all went to shit when Didi was like it's really fucking creepy that a 22 year old boy is going to see Cinderella on his own <laughs> which it right. is and but apparently red flag takes one red flag. Didi, yeah. you know? yeah, right so she they, Gypsy <laughs> Gypsy and it's like birds are falling out yeah. of every <laughs> yeah. Gypsy oh, and <laughs> That's just, that's the, yeah. that's the real one. Um, Gypsy and Nicholas had thought that if they'd met in real life in Dee Dee's presence, that a friendship could have naturally formed mm. and it would have been completely acceptable that Gypsy would then start spending time with Nicholas. But obviously Dee Dee they wasn't going to let... from the Gilmore Girls. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Um, I do not. Cinderella story. was okay. the bad, a bad Cinderella choice. Cinderella was a bad <laughs> choice. But um, apparently whilst in the cinema... Gypsy managed to somehow escape her mother's care and took Nicholas to a bathroom where they fornicated. Masturbated for nine <laughs> hours. <laughs> they made love. They made love, right? Apparently. Now, they both say this. How they did she sneak out in a wheelchair? I don't know. This is... And how did someone not stop a, a boy of that age pushing what was perceived to be a 14-year-old girl into a bathroom? Because I don't know. But what? they Where both Didi watching Cinderella. <laughs> totally engrossed <laughs> in Cinderella. <laughs> Couldn't take her eyes off the screen. So after the cinema <laughs> she plan, was writing bad checks, finding paperwork, <laughs> so many birth certs to organize. <laughs> this is tough. But after that plan was unsurprisingly foiled and it didn't work out the way they anticipated, Nicholas and Gypsy started talking online about Plan B. Right. So Gypsy had confided in Nicholas and started telling him that he she believed that she she wasn't really sick and she knew that she could walk, which was the sort of the key thing. Imagine being mum, mum, I can sit back down. Sit back, down. <laughs> back down. No, but, but there no, was a couple there was like there was loads of um there was loads of bizarre instances that like doctors had said that her muscles should have wasted away after that length of time in a right, wheelchair so and they looking hadn't. very so people there's a lot of people who are suspicious, right? But still Nobody really fucking doing anything about it. So plan B was that Gypsy felt she could not be free until her mother was dead. I agree. I, I'm second that. <laughs> it's obvious. I, yeah, it is. But like, it's so dark. So <laughs> what Dee Dee did is way us. darker. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah, it actually, but it, it kind of is. It's the, it's the lesser of two evils, really, is it? But I mean, do, we don't, we don't, we're not like murder's okay. You know, <laughs> just like fundamentally murder is not okay. I think this okay. one's okay. <laughs> yeah. Not okay. Dee Dee has nothing redeeming about her. I, yeah, nothing. Dee Dee I haven't liked anything about Dee Dee so far. I'm just so, impressed with her ability to source fake birth certs. 
Yeah, so I am really and convinced loads of people that there's all these things going on. Get her surgeries. Like, surely a doctor, doctor, would you actually? She's not that kind of. She's not a medical doctor. Oh. She's a fake one. <laughs> if someone was dying, would you? You just, would be of no use. Did you don't just take someone for a surgery without really suspecting there's something wrong with them, or do you? I don't know. But also, like, you Shut said up, you're, you're not, not a, a medical doctor, so. <laughs> But also, this is the state. Like, I thought it was... I mean, it's not like it's the NHS. Like, they have to go and yeah, find private... Yeah, but they're getting funded. And yeah. this is a key thing, though. It's because so they're getting funded. Because they're getting funded and they're getting a lot of support for people, they're not talking to the public health system. So the, the private and the public health system in... in America apparently just don't talk at all and neither do like cross-state medical histories. Mm. So when she said all the medical history was lost, it fucking might as well have been because they wouldn't have passed it on to each other anyway, right? Fatal flaw. Um, So they started texting about and they hatched this plan that Nicholas was going to come down and he was going to kill Dee Dee. And Gypsy greeted him at the door with a knife, gloves and duct tape. Good woman. Mm -hmm. That's preparation. Which and there are texts between the two of them, which prove that Dee or the Gypsy was aware that the plan was to kill Dee Dee. Now, in her defence, she said that she didn't think he would actually go through with it. Easy to say, <laughs> but you know. he did. Yeah. He did, and he went in and he stabbed Dee Dee multiple times. Now, this is where the reports get really twisted and weird. Apparently, he really wanted to then have sex with Dee Dee. Sorry, which now? Nicholas killed her, stabbed her, and wanted to then Why? rape her body. It was the personality that the, right. they, okay. nine hours in a McDonald's. Right, yeah. And this worked then, this worked towards uh, Gypsy's defense. She refused to allow him to do that. And so, so instead. Weird. Yeah, yeah instead, instead, Nicholas and Gypsy went into her bedroom and had sex. Then they stole $4,000 in cash from Dee Dee and they went on the run. That is so fucking dark, isn't it? It's so dark. But this became a crucial part of her defense because she said that she wanted to escape her mother and be free, but she didn't want her mother to suffer. So that's why she was... She was already dead. It's a bit dark. Okay. It's just, okay. it's still a bit... Nah. It's a bit skewed. And Jen, if you ever do come across a body, you're like, it's already dead. <laughs> Still not okay. <laughs> Free body! <laughs> so a couple of days later, on the 14th of June, 2015, Gypsy instructed Godejan to post a message from Dee Dee's Facebook page. So she'd been dead for a few days already at this what stage. What did they do with the body? They left, left it in it. the bedroom. They Were they it in still the in the house? Uh, no, they went on the run then. Okay. So And the house is so grim as well. Like, I just feel like you need that kind of attendant visual. It was just like full of shite. Yeah, and full of like, full of like medical apparatus and that, like. That actually sick people could have been using. Yeah. And yeah. So Godajan logged onto the Facebook page and he posted two really graphic messages. I actually didn't want to repeat the messages because they were really dark. <laughs> just... Do it. You guys are fucked up. Do it. So fucked up. So basically, one of them, he was like, um, one of them, he said, the bitch is dead. Which is okay. That's fine, right? But then he said... That's uh, PG. Then he's like, the bitch is dead. I raped her daughter. The screams were something, screams were incredibly loud. Lol. Lol is... (laughs) 
<laughs> could have meant could have meant lots of love, yeah. uh, which it, it, it didn't. <laughs> Sorry, he wrote this as Dee. He wrote this as Dee. So people then started suspecting that the Facebook had been hacked. Mm. But then the neighbors grew concerned, and they rang police for welfare checks. And the police went around, and they found Dee's body in the house. Right. Initially. All concern then was on where is Gypsy? Because yeah. her wheelchair was in the house, as was all her medication. They were like, the worst <laughs> has come. Someone's come in, killed the mother, and then Lifted. kidnapped this yeah. poor little child and taken her away. But it was the neighbor, Aaliyah, who then uh, went up to the police and she was like, oh, Gypsy had this online boyfriend. Aaliyah had the sense to print off all of the messages that Gypsy had sent her about this boy. And they included details about... Um, about him and where he lived and all that kind of stuff. So the police then traced the IP address from where the Facebook posts had been um, sent from. And they realized that they'd been sent from Wisconsin. And then the next day, the police agencies went and they found found Gypsy and they found Nicholas and the two of them surrendered. So the news that Gypsy was safe was greeted with relief initially. Weren't they up in your man's parents' house? Yeah, yeah. They were in the parents' house. Just like hanging around, like... Mm -hmm teenager kind they don't of think types. I don't think that they I don't think that Gypsy had enough knowledge of the internet or of crime to understand what would have what the police would have found do you know like she hadn't grown up watching like CSI and <laughs> listening to true crime documentaries and all that kind of stuff she had a very limited knowledge of the world so she genuinely thought that just by leaving the house they would probably get away with it yeah, or that she done, was leaving like, any sort of like trace by talking to the neighbour or any or of that talking kind of on thing. the internet or to this like guy or any idea that they're you know that this IP address could be tracked and Nicholas himself does have a lot of problems it kind of a lot of people suspect that he had autism but um or he was on the spectrum but he also had delayed learning difficulties and stuff like that and the multiple personality disorder and I don't think he had attended school for very long um so they were two very troubled people but I just think that they weren't essentially very smart and did they thought that they could get away with this crime and go back to his parents house um so they were extradited then back to Missouri and they were held on bond but when the and everyone was delighted everyone was like so chuffed that Gypsy had been found safe and it was grand and there was a GoFundMe set up to support her and again the community just rallied around and they were like we can really help this person why presuming he had killed Mm. yes okay what she had so it wasn't until the uh, county sheriff warned that things are not always as they appear Um, the media then soon got a hold of the true story of the whole of the the entirety of the Blanchard's lives, including that Gypsy had never been sick. She had always been able to walk. There was fundamentally nothing medically wrong with her. But she had been abused. She had been abused, right? So she had been abused and there was a lot of sympathy for her. So there was a tremendous amount of sympathy for her. And she was actually, she was charged with second degree murder and she accepted a plea deal for 10 years. So she will actually get out of prison in 2023. She's thriving in prison. No she's doubt. having a great time. She is. She's having a great time. She has said that I'm happier in prison because I feel freer because I'm not I'm happy under for, the control I'm happy of my mother. Her. No? Right? Yeah, no, I'm happy. It's, I'm not taking sides. I'm not taking sides. <laughs> Come on, know. go gypsy. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, there is a lot of spec. So, so go to John on just recently in the 19th of February, he was sentenced to first degree murder and he was sentenced to life imprisonment, right? So there is a lot of 
concern about whether Gypsy was. So we don't have Dee Dee's side of the story. Well, we just have gypsies now. What could mm. her side of the story possibly bring us? But she we was don't know whether more mature intellectually than Gypsy, like le- leads us to believe now. Yes, and, and whether that she Gypsy manipulated was... this mentally ill young man to like exactly sort her so shit whether out. Gypsy she claims... take a needle plea deal. She's got her hair done in prison now. She looks completely different. It's got a gorgeous different. natural curl on it. She's like it got, has. It's got, it has. really gothy chest. I'm still happy for. her. Even if all that is true, Grant. Grant. I mean, but there yeah. is speculation that Gypsy was involved in the whole thing and she knew because she's in her 20s and she knew and that they were financially benefiting from Are the whole situation. Are we supposed to feel sorry for your man? Kind of, I think, a little bit, but also he seems to be quite fucked up too. He did willingly stab a woman 12 or 14 want times to ride her and then wanted to ride her. I don't want to use ride. He wanted to... Fornicate? Rape. Her rape. Oh. Defiled. Defiled. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. So yeah, that was it. In a, in an interview then with Dr. Phil, there's some great content online. Sorry, who <laughs> who had the interview with Dr. Phil? Gypsy. Gypsy. So Gypsy, they, people are constantly going into prison to talk to Gypsy. It's brilliant. There's like this like six part thing on. So when I started researching this story, like. T- two days ago um <laughs> it ended up with me basically just watching the hbo documentary started to watch the hulu dramatized series very good very very good and then all these dr phil interviews with her and probably the most i suppose i don't know the thing that encapsulates the most is that she says i think she would have been the perfect mom for someone who was actually sick <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not sick and that's a big big difference yes. okay there thank you go. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, now, form an orderly line to the jacks. I'm first. Okay, joking. I just pissed in my chair earlier. <laughs> Follow us on areas. Rate and review, should you wish. Yes, stop. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.